What's up, everyone? You're listening to the Noise Podcast, sponsored by Stereo Brain Records, and brought to you on the Noise Podcast Network. Uh, today, it's a little bit different. Um, I take up hosting duties and chat to fellow noisy and good friend Elliot Grimmy about the new Kid Capici record. Uh, it's an absolute blinder when it drops um, this Friday, the 23rd of September. Um, do check it out if you're in any way pissed off, pumped up and uh, ready to rebel against uh, anything going on in the UK right now. Uh, consider this the soundtrack um, to said rebellion. Uh, make sure to follow us on socials. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. You can find the website at Noise UK. You can find the podcast at Noise Podcast Network. Uh, we're always dropping stuff onto our Instagram. Uh, make sure to drop us a like, subscribe, review. We're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you might like to listen or watch your podcasts. So please do also go and find us on those platforms. Any kind of like, share, review, subscribe, whatever it is, or even a comment. It goes a long, long way. Um, so we appreciate all of you that do that. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Noise Podcast, sponsored by Stereo Brain Records and brought to you as part of the Noise Podcast Network. Uh, this week, uh, you'll see, see two very different faces. Uh, we're giving Chris and Sam a bit of a break this week, so you're stuck with uh, myself. Uh, I'm neither cynical nor your boy slash your host. Uh, and for his debut, uh, an individual of many hats, uh, a little background on him as well. I say hats, you wouldn't want to put hats on with uh, his incredible hair. Uh, yeah, he's a band's wet dream, uh, a band's biggest fan, the Stan, if you will. Uh, he cares for the music scene more than uh, more than many. You'll find him queued up at a show uh, to get to the front. Even if it's a pub show, you'll probably find him outside. Uh, for, for, for some reason, you'll find him in, uh, or for the same reason even, you'll find him in all of the festival pictures right at the front. Uh, he's the only journalist I know that refuses guest list to ensure a place at a show. Uh, he's always the first to grab merch and a vinyl. He's our resident hot taker, but we're not going to bring Metallica into this. Uh, but he's guaranteed <laughs> to throw out some ludicrously outrageous opinions. Uh, and yeah, he's kind of that guy in uh, in noise, but we love him all the same. It's, it's noise podcast virgin and uh, fellow noisy. Felt weird to say virgin there. Uh, Elliot Grimmy. Hello, mate. Hello. How are you? Hello. Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. That was a hell of an introduction. I was about I to love say, that. how'd you like that? How'd you like that? Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, yeah, I might just use that on all. I'm not. If I ever look for like any other jobs, I'm not gonna not gonna use a CV. I'm just gonna send that sound clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah oh. I thought. You know what? How can I? You know, let's make the most of this opportunity. And uh, I've, I've bullet pointed a couple of things that I always think about you, and then uh, amazing. Just uh, work that. Anyway, how are you? How's things? Yes, um, yeah, pretty good. I have, uh, I don't know, really, just been working and going to a lot of gigs as usual. Like, if I'm not at work, I'm at a gig. If I'm not at a gig, I'm probably at work. It's like <laughs> it's, it's so life. The, so the monotonous <laughs> cycle continues. I think there's uh, it's a, it's probably a good segue into the bands that we're talking about and uh, yes, a band that are not afraid to call out the, uh, the the working pattern and living for the weekend, as I'm sure we'll get to on uh, on some of the songs mm. later on. Uh, anyway, uh, yes. Yeah, so, like I said, um, you know, Chris and Sam are going to be back next week talking about Slipknot, uh, which is uh, a bonkers thing to say out loud. Um, albeit, let's hold any. We our opinions don't matter so much. So, whatever we think on the Slipknot record, that's not going to make it, uh, and we can leave that to them to sort out anyway. But uh, <laughs> and after the divisiveness of uh, Parkway Drive, it's probably for the best anyway. Although a, a round table event of what we all thought of that in the noise group would have been uh, quite fun. Anyway. Yeah, that that would have been interesting. <laughs> really would have been. We are there here this week to talk about Hastings Power Punk four piece. Uh, I hope I say this right because we pre-discussed this, but it's kids <laughs> PG. So like, I, I'm I want positive. To think... Sure, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> It's Capici. Uh, you've assured me as such, because that's what I first said. And then I doubted myself thinking, what if it's Capici? And I've had interviews in the past where I've gone out on a limb and said something and then it's it just butchered it. Um, so hopefully that's right. But you can call me out if not. 
uh they're set to drop when this releases it'll be uh the the tuesday before it's released but it's it's released on friday the 23rd of september uh it's their second album here's what you could have won uh via spine farm records it's said to boast the band's bigger punchier beat punk uh sound which they've called it co-produced with dom crake uh from nothing but thieves it's the band's second album since their 2020 debut, which they've since re-released as a deluxe version. Uh, and from what kind of threw them onto the scene, despite them being around for quite some time. Before I dive into the, the, the record and what our general thoughts are, what's your pre-this-album uh, relationship with Kid Capici? You know, are you already a fan? Is it, Are you a new fan? What's that look like? Um so i i was sort of vaguely aware of them i remember there being quite a lot of hype about the first record without like you know when you hear things uh you see a band's name pop up in loads of places on festival bills all that kind of thing but you haven't quite gotten around to checking it out yourself yet and i remember i i like i remember making a point of like saving the first record like oh i'm gonna listen to that at some point and then for, at some point i did listen to that record and for whatever reason it didn't really stick with me i don't i don't know why um and then fast forward to them releasing uh the the latest not the latest single the first single off of um the new record new england with with bob villain on it i yeah. That track just kind of fell into my lap where i do my little new music playlist i i gave it a listen and i'm like oh that's that's a slapper um, and from that moment, I was kind of like, yeah, my interest had peaked. I, I re-listened to the first record. I enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, I started at, you know, appreciating the themes, listening to the lyrics. Um, kind of went from there, really. It was a bit of like a slow burn. But yeah, I just over time discovered the band, not necessarily through me making a, a, a huge effort, but them more just being placed in my lap and me go, having to go, do you know what? Yeah, no, this, this shit's good. It's, it's good stuff. Like, <laughs> Yeah, likewise, yeah. I think, uh, or probably less so from my uh, point of view, because I kind of saw, you know, I do the release schedule for the Noise podcast and saw what was coming out this week and thought I wanted to dive on something slightly different. Uh, mm. And when I saw that, you know, uh, you know, Chris and Sam will put in what they can and can't do and things, and I just jumped on this because it kind of pushes me out of my comfort zone a little bit. You know, I'm not a through and through punk fan whatsoever. Uh, I love punk elements in songs, <clears throat> but I've never really been a fan of kind of overly accented, uh, you know, sort of lyricisms and vocals. And, you know, it's, it's neat in a way, isn't it? Because, you know, it's like a modern, in some ways it's like a modern version of Sex Pistols. And, and it, it's kind of like, you've got all those sorts of vibes and that sort of, rebellion and things and and albeit i kind of agree with all those sentiments punk has never really clicked with me i'm not mm. an idols fan, a fan i'm not i kind of haven't dived back into sort of you know the history of punk so to speak so i was kind of a bit nervous going in thinking mm, i if, if i'm honest i'm skeptical of whether i'm actually going to like this uh so i'd say my relationship with them was was kind of far less so and i'm talking like two weeks ago when we kind of penciled this in and said yeah let's do it this will be good fun um so they're regarded as a band that are not afraid to explore and raise issues uh and as we'll get into it they're not afraid to sort of tackle something right on the nose um they've talked about subjects in the past including racism in work poverty mental health violence frustration uh and even all consuming love with honesty and humor and i think that's a really good summary um but i pulled straight from the press notes there but it sums it up well <laughs> um so i mean we'll dive in a sort of kind of loosely talk track by track some of the highlights and things like that as we go along but general thoughts and a summary for me what uh what you're thinking of the album um what's your thoughts uh it's very punchy um generally like in terms of running through it listening to it as a as a full body piece uh the album definitely kind of split itself in two a little bit for me so you've got like the first i think it was five or six tracks roughly um they all kind of they all kind of just just tick through not that they're bad tracks they're, they're great tracks but they all kind of tick through at a similar tempo with uh a 
you hear it and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that that's Kid Capici. Then when you get into the second half of the record, uh, you notice that they start sort of just dipping into other sounds a little bit. Nothing too, straying like too far from what, what the album has already set up. But like, you know, you've got a party at number 10, which obviously slows the tone right down it's a lot more satirical um it's almost almost a bit theatrical bit camp um but it's also extremely on the nose you know with the whole party at number 10 about effectively party gate you know the criticisms of of our mps um and what they were getting up to during a time that they were telling us yeah no you can't can't you know, can't meet up with each other, can't be together, but you know, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Just a little, little cheeky, you know? Um, so, you know, with that one, they changed the tone. Uh, and there was one, I think it was right near the end of the album. Um, there was a track called, I think it was called smash the gaff. Um, and it's got like, it was a banger, but it's got this big, like when I when it, that intro that came in, I was like, "Now this sounds like Muse back in their heyday, like a big space rock riff um, that I wasn't expecting from like you know one of these kind of post punk records, especially given the sounds that you heard early album." And then suddenly I was being hit with this great big otherworldly sounding just yeah it, oh, it it was so good. I was immediately on board with that one. Um, so it was nice really to see cool. like some experimentation in there alongside them like or playing i'd say playing to their strengths you know yeah i agree and and i haven't got the context for what the first album was like um you know and i can imagine it's probably what the first half of this album sounds like i think it's a great observation from you to say that this there feels like a genuine split and i think party at number 10 feels like the moment that the album kind of goes from there through and through like you said comedic um you know sort of punky vibe to this kind of like you said this more atmospheric this more euphoric sort of sound they they, mm. they pull in a lot of sort of influence and genre and things like that and we'll get into that in a minute um but yeah i mean i am so pleasantly surprised i, I um i can't believe how much i liked this uh mm. i was really taken back about how much i track on track for me it just built this sort of fandom and then by the time that uh, you know so you do two or three listens for for a pod episode and yeah it, it like by the second time round, i was starting then to enjoy the first tracks a little bit more you know it's, it's like you kind of said it's a little bit of a slow burner but after a couple of listens now i am feeling like i want to sort of track back through that back catalogue i mean mm. into it and i mean the first majority of the first half of the album is already released um, so we'll try not yeah. to agonize over it, but I think also there's some real points worth mentioning. Um, you mentioned New England; uh, it's the most sort of shamelessly explicit political track um, with that brilliant feature from Bob Villain. Uh, it's got yeah. like this this sort of obnoxious sort of swagger about it, and you know, punks pokes fun at that kind of the current state of affairs in the country, which we won't get into. But uh, I mean, they they get it right, don't they? Uh, let's be fair. <laughs> kind of remark at how insane we've gone in the uk and and given given the week and everything that's going on uh yeah i kind of wholeheartedly agree uh, i love yes. how punk this is i love how on the nose this is bob villain goes hard as well and i'm i haven't dived in on any bob villain um back catalog whatsoever so oh yeah, you should kind of want to do that a little bit and i know you're a bob villain fan which is probably mm. a little bit of that that tie-in for you um, yes Similarly, I really enjoyed Rob the Supermarket. I actually thought, you know, it was at this point that I was kind of thinking their lyricisms are so clever. You know, the way that they'll put things together. There's a really sad undertone to it. It's it's funny, <clears throat> but it's... Uh, I really felt like the picture that this paints, it, it comedically depicts someone robbing a supermarket. And it, it, and it kind of talks about things like the security not being able to catch up with them, even free security guards or whatever it kind of says in there. But there's this sort of there's this sort of poignant desperation of the nation, isn't there? Uh, where it's this this kind of it's really relatable, but not in a way that I've ever robbed a supermarket. In a way that you just hear about it so often, and it, yes. it's such a kind of standard way of life for the working class. Uh, and then the the track after that as well, five days on, two days off. I just thought was brilliant. Um, you know, to talk about <laughs> exactly. To talk about the way that you just it, you kind of live for the weekend, 
Um, yeah. Touches upon the idea of I really don't give a shit about it, you know, and it, it, it can be that sort of mentality in the working class, can't it? Where, you know, it's kind of like, well, what am I, I'm just doing this job just to get by to survive. The weekend's the only bit of fun I can kind of have. A brilliant wordplay on it and, and really striking. Those first three songs, they touch on really poignant parts of the kind of current state of affairs. I mean, is is there anything that you wanted to add on any of them, apart from the fact that they all are great? Um, well, I think so, like touching on the whole, um, you know, the, the desperation that's kind of there, but under the surface, I think it comes across very like, you know, if you don't laugh about it, you'll cry kind of, yeah. kind of attitude. So there's the reason that it's quite bullshy and it's got that swagger is because they're, you know, they're tackling issues that if we were to talk about them normally without that music there to, to bolster what we're talking about, it it would be quite a horrid conversation it would you know it's it's a sorry state of affairs that we find the uk in and that's effectively what they're you know that that's what they're all about they're writing songs about how they feel as working class individuals themselves people that have come from those backgrounds and you know it says right there in the press release and in interviews that they've had a lot of the 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 stuff that they've been writing about these are all lived experiences they're not just pulling this as as in like oh what's a working class thing let's let's sing about that and these these are they're pulling from very real feelings that each of those band members uh has has had um and i think in that is where that instant relation comes to because that their sound is such a blend of like you know punk post-punk indie rock um, it's got this, I'm seeing it described as beat punk, which kind of does make sense to me, especially, you know, the early tracks, they're, they're led very heavily by the tempo of the drums. They, a few of the tracks sound, their intro sounds like, you know, different speeds of just clock ticking and it leads the track in and it, it just, it just builds on that, um, that kind of rhythm. And then the moment the lyrics come in and you'll go, oh, fuck, yeah, that's real. That's hitting, you know, that's. Mm that's hitting somewhere deep and personal, but instead of crying about it, you want to sing along. You want to bust out that bombastic chorus. You want to sing it back at them. And and that's, I think exactly what they're going for. You know, they, in, in the, in the vein of uh, everyone using their voice to speak up together, that's what the music is quite literally doing. If you've got, you know, um, 2000 people in a, in a field and they're on a festival stage and everyone knows the words, what you've got there is not just a gig crowd, but a political movement it's right in front of you. You know, <laughs> you're seeing, uh, you're seeing a lot more of it, aren't you? You know, you look at recent performances from the likes of Sam Fender or enter Shikari and, and, you know, some of the big slots that they've had recently and some of the call outs that they'll make from being very genuine people from very mm. genuine working class backgrounds and they haven't let go of that just because the notability and the and the fact that they're in this sort of bigger sized act or band. Uh, yeah. And you're right that 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 genuine relatability is so so important because the moment that these guys lose this, you know, you lose such an an edge for what it is. Um, yeah, I mean the 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 next two tracks are also brilliant. I N V U, um, spell out I N V U, uh, which halfway through the track I realised was pronounced I N V U um is it's 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 a fun one i guess you know it kind of it's got that very sort of um you know it feels very london doesn't it it feels very much like it's kind of talking about someone that oh am i supposed to envy you uh yeah sure if it makes you feel better i'll do that but everyone over here is kind of just calling you a bit of a prick um and super soaker was really good was which was the next track i felt like there was some real I felt it was like the first bit of melody that I heard, and I don't mean that mm. as a, as, a um, as as poking a negative at them at all. I think it's impressive to this point where kind of the choruses have relied on sort of this sort of like you kind of said that up in arms, people singing mm. along, crowd chant sort of vibe to it. He kind of stretches into a sort of spoken word to a rap to a. And there's, there, there are brilliant senses of, of melody to it. But this is the first time it feels like he sort of gives you a little bit of his singing voice. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh, it's just a small bit in the pre-chorus. And it was like, yeah, that, I like that. That that's I didn't know he could do that. Um, yeah. He's a brilliant wordsmith. I mean, both of those songs, uh, you know, the way he talks about kind of, uh, you know, to go back to I Envy You, it's kind of like, 
talks about someone with their uh, was it crocodile skin shoes or whatever it was and getting out of this posh car and all that sort of thing and sort of the big eye roll of it and uh, that comedic <laughs> value comes in again um yeah super sugar as well as a big a big bouncy track um and then we get into party at number 10 um and i know you've touched on this what a track i mean yeah. it, you can't... It... <laughs> it's bold uh it, it's real bold i'd be surprised uh that that, that, that bojo doesn't sort of come down and mm-hmm. uh, try and <laughs> put the band off the stage once they uh once they start singing this one on tour so I find uh, the you, interesting, sorry, yeah, uh, the interesting thing with Party at Number Ten is that it was actually a track. You know, it sounds when you listen to it, it's a very, like I said, you know, it's witty, satirical, but it sounds like it an interlude. It's it doesn't yeah. sound like a track you would take seriously, but the band actually did make the decision to release it as a standalone before the album came out, and I think that change that perception of it because anyone you know anyone that was already on board with Kid Capici leading up to the album getting into the album hype like yeah yeah new song new song they're going to take those that song is now going to be taken seriously it's not going to be seen as an interlude anymore you know I saw them uh recently at 2000 Trees that they, they played the song they had the crowd singing along with them and the, it, you know the whole uh you know um don't look excited you're not invited it to me was very you know, trying to make people remember that our MPs, um, or at least how, you know, we can perceive the behavior of our MPs in this country is that they're, they're not one of us. Don't get excited. You're not invited. Is saying like, it's not, you're not part of the club. They're not serving you. They're not looking out for you. You're not their friend. Um, and having that as, such a catchy little a jingle i'm even going to call it you know it, it's got that haha kind of thing to it it's a brilliant point it's exactly what i said you know it, it's delivered as a sweet acoustic ditty yeah kind of like yeah. this uh if you didn't listen to it in its kind of musical composition oh, it's a beautiful beautiful acoustic yeah. track and we're, 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 you get it with pop songs sometimes you kind of love oh i love that track it, it, it's brilliant it's kind of yeah that singer song right and you're like oh you realize he's singing about this thing and it's it's like mm. really, really really like sort of because i don't know oh no no, no i just listen to it and uh, whatever the real yeah. version of it when i'm on the edm night um <laughs> <laughs> but it, it does that so brilliantly doesn't it? And, it and it sort of does it in a way where this feels so timely i think often Bands can release things uh, with all the best intentions, but they don't quite get it out in time for it still to be in that cultural zeitgeist. And this absolutely is. You know, I think that so... release as a single is such a good timing for that because it's 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 only just sort of fallen fallen out of the news. But you know what I mean, sort of the yeah focal um... point, so to speak. Something interesting that I actually read, I've, I've read a few like, in, you know, interviews with the band and stuff in the interest of, of getting to know them better because, you know, I, I align with them quite politically, um, is that they, in terms of writing uh, and then and releasing their records, they try to keep their writing process as close to their recording process um, as possible so that those topics that they are singing about are very um like hot are very uh poignant for the time you know they don't want to be singing about something that happened three years ago they want to release a song that everyone can go oh shit yeah um and then something else that was touched on in one of these interviews that i read uh by the by their their front man um was that they want these songs so like especially with party at number 10 they want these songs to be something that let's say go three years down the line, right? The public consciousness is, is where they're going to forget about the party at number 10, but then they listen to that kid Capiche. Oh fuck. Yeah. That happened. Didn't it? And it's almost like they're musically keeping a record of the things that we need to keep in our, in, in our minds when we're working towards, um, you know, fighting for, for a better quality of living for all of us. They, they, these songs aren't just songs, but they're reminders of the things that we collectively go through. There's a unity and a power within that because like I said, you know, these songs are relatable. We go through them together. So when we hear them, it, it jogs our memory on the things that we sometimes overlook that life is busy. There is so much going on. There's so much new music to keep track of, but yeah, 
Kikapichi are there um, at the forefront of it. And, you know, they're getting quite big slots as well. They've supported um, Liam Gallagher at this point, which is colossal, mm. you know, to get and a platform. Song, I believe that that put them into his kind of get into his gaze and he complimented yes. them on it and then they got that out of it, which is amazing because as the album goes on as well, uh, I, I mean, even the song itself, you can feel that little bit of, uh there's there's that oasis sort of vibe to it isn't there yeah it's got a um there was a few tracks on the record that i felt dipped into a bit of a brit poppy mm. sound you know one of the earliest bands i i used to listen to is uh was Supergrass, and i remember very distinctly on one of the tracks and it's bugging me because i can't remember exactly which track it was now um listening through it and going, oh yeah it sounds a little bit like Supergrass. that does you know so they've got they've got a lot of um I'd say classically British elements in their sound um, or at least things that we would, you know, as, as the public, we would recognize to be British because they've been sounds that have been laden throughout our culture for, for years and years, you know? Um, I think, um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think despite that in the same way, making those sorts of comparisons also feels a little bit cheap because there are mm. those sorts of draws. There are those sorts of influences it's got bits of Britpop, it's got bits of punk, it's got bits of, you know, whatever sort of thrown into one sort of mixing pop. But they do it. It feels that kind of beat punk, post-punk sort of. It feels new. It feels fresh. It doesn't feel like it's mm. something recycled. It's authentic. It feels like them. Absolutely. You listen to it and you hear Kid Capici. You don't hear 10 different bands. You hear an element of something. But overall, you're, you... I, I feel like it's very instantly recognisable as mm. Kid Capici. You wouldn't mistake them for another band. No, I absolutely agree. And and in a genre a genre that is largely oversaturated as well, which, you know, can't compliment that enough. Yeah, I think it's at this point in the album that it takes that shift that we talked about. That kind of yes, it moves into this more experimental territory. And for me, at this point, this is where a good album became a great album. Um, yeah, I. Couldn't believe what I was hearing. There's just the meld of sounds kind of thinking, oh, this shouldn't work. You had cops and robbers and they've got this real down tuning for the guitars and there's these yeah. slides and it's heavy and it's, but it's, it, it, it's brilliantly done. Um, and, and to have that break from party at number 10, which on the album serves as an interlude, but on its own stands on its own two feet to then shift into this. It was like, oh, here we go. This is, this is really something else. Uh, the same with Tar Pit. Um, mm. It was really cool. A huge crescendo at the end of, of the song. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier, but shout out to the drummer. Um, they just, they switch it up. They make it kind of meaty and crunchy. When it's yeah. Crunchy and, yeah. Yeah. That was, Tar Pit was one of my favourite songs on the record. Uh, it's got this oddly menacing sort of vibe to it, given what they're talking about, kind of this general sort of, hysteria and getting wrapped up in things and uh, in, in news and in events and or, or at least an incorporation of that message it's it's really cool uh what's your mm. uh, what's your thoughts on the uh, cops and robbers and tarpet cops and robbers uh i actually so i made notes for this just to make sure i didn't like miss on some of my points i wanted to talk about and i i put in that there was absolutely it's a sleeper hit um you know it it were one of those songs that wasn't released as a single before the record came out but when i heard that's that track i was like that could have easily been a leading single for this record it, it, the chorus is huge uh funnily enough for now i now see that is actually the song that i said had elements of the brit rock in there you know it's high energy um, I feel like that alongside with um, uh, blah, 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 we mentioned before Smash the Gaff, those two songs, I really hope they start to bring out into their live touring circuit because those two yeah, songs right. are that they will go off. Um, Tarpit caught me off guard because I sort of thought I had the record figured out by the time I, I got to it. And then Tarpit was almost sludgy um which yeah. you know give, given yeah. the name it fits um so i don't know if it was sort of named after the sound or or the lyricism or what but you feel it yeah it? it feels visceral it feels mm. you know it's talking about this this kind of just wading through treacle that you have to do and, and yeah kind of it's... what you're expected to do and mourn about and think about yeah. and worry about and 
Sludge and Doom. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> On a post-punk record, it's mad. <laughs> yeah, and you're absolutely right. That's a brilliant point that just when you think you've got it figured out, this record's throws something different in. It doesn't sound like yeah. too far a removal that you're like, what the fuck was that? But it does sound yeah. like something that was like, wow, they're really they're really ballooning their sound here. It's, yeah. Um, it's brilliant. Uh never really had you then follows. Uh, yeah, that that one was an interesting one for me because so this is probably for me personally the one and only weak point of the album is the whole track maybe i need some more time with it for more appreciation but uh so that felt like it i wanted it to crescendo i wanted it to explode that it felt like such a great lead in you know the soft start um in in a, in a similar way to party at number 10 but i feel like it just didn't quite hold up to where to the heights that party at number 10 reached um and by the time the song was done, I guess I was kind of expecting, and again, maybe because the album had already thrown me for a few loops, I was expecting, wow, what what could they possibly do next? Oh, okay, this song is actually a bit more straightforward in its tone. Um, but, you know, it still, it fits with the record. And going back to, you know, they write so closely to um, to when they record, for them to produce an album of this quality where, you know, again, personally, I could only say it dips once in its entire run through. It's still astronomically impressive, you know? Yeah. I think if nothing else, I think, I think what's probably, I mean, it feels like quite a straight up song. It feels like yeah. a bit of a, is this the ballad on, on the, yeah. <laughs> on yeah. the record? <laughs> so in a way it kind of, on the one hand, it doesn't feel out of place at all. And it really doesn't. No. But on the other hand, because it doesn't hold a really sort of like we've talked about, you know, a, a, a poignant cultural issue in, in yeah. its meaning, it feels a little bit more. It, it, I guess it probably holds slightly less depth, but there's there's some there and it, it, it will be it's kind of a song that's a little bit more open to interpretation. But yeah, in terms of vocally and what it proves, I mean, it blows the diet like the how diverse this band can be out of the water because the fact that they can do that uh and i think they very clearly dropped it where they dropped it in the album because you know you 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 go into the the, the two tracks prior and you're up here i think and i think if you'd have put smash the gaff in behind it yeah riots so i think they just <laughs> kind of needed to just like let's just bring you down for a second and then yeah uh, and, and and sort of i mean it's the it's a beautiful song and it's the one that you could cheaply throw the kind of, you know, Oasis shot in or the, the Britpop, yeah. Britpunk sort of, um, you know, comparison to. Um, yeah. That's not a bad thing just because vocally he's got that sort of brilliant croon and, and, and range. And I, from where I was at New England in comparison to this, I was like, like, I can't. Like, I, I can <laughs> How did we get here? <laughs> believe that I'm hearing the same band because they still sound like Kick Peachy, but. Like, yeah. I can't believe that I went in thinking this was going to be 11 tracks of New England. And yeah. then I got, I'm here and I got this. I've still got two, yeah. two songs to go. Mental. So, and then we have Smash the Gaff. Uh, Elliot, if I, if I was going to sort of join a riot and rebellion, I think I'd be sticking <laughs> this in my ears. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> take part in said uh yeah rebellion um this is a fucking roarer isn't it I, it's a rager it, to me i think probably highlight of the record for me and to leave it so close to the end there as well was like a big last hurrah um yeah fantastic decision by by the band on that part and it just there's a there's <laughs> there's a simplicity in it that makes it so instantaneously um, easy to appreciate with this one. You know, again, it's, it's, I know the band have got a lot of big choruses on the record, but again, big chorus, easy to sing back, get involved. This is a mosh pit song, you know, it, it's <laughs> straight up. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a mosh it's, song. It's like it's dirty. It feels mm. dirty from the outset. It's got like, it, it it is like punk hitting this kind of prodigy style. Yeah. You know, you talked about that, that space punk style. That space then, riff is oh, incredible. It, it, like 
and it's just <laughs> it kicks in in the opener and i'm like it it has a it really sort of sits with you for a while which i love yeah so often you know um a band will drop you an intro and you're like fucking here we go and then the song's completely different and then after mm. the chorus they give you a token where they drop back into that riff we're looking at you new nickelback um <laughs> but with this it becomes the recurring guitar line and riff throughout um, yeah and it, and it, it, it the way it's just melded together and then in that like bridge section at the end there's that there's that tempo change where it like oh oh yeah 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 that yeah, that i wasn't expecting either because again through all of the like you know how the the album had gone so far even though it had thrown me for a few loops that's like that's something they hadn't really used yet so when they when they busted that out at the end everything started getting faster i was like oh oh i'm ready oh, i'm ready yeah. <laughs> and then it just like it just there's this sort of stop bang straight back into old tempo i mean it, it yeah it's, it's clever but it's, it's, it it's still really hits cool. hard it hits like... hard. It doesn't. It doesn't have like a, <laughs> like a like a traditional breakdown or anything like that in it. It is just really dark and and, and yeah, from start to the finish. I absolutely loved it. I think you know it will be a lot of people's highlight. I think and it yeah, uh, you know I don't yeah. see people looking at these couple of new songs like we've talked about, like Cops and Robbers, like Smash the Gap, and thinking, oh, I don't like this. You know, yeah, because Ooh. I think you've still got that that rebellion that that you know sort of the, the same sorts of messages and unification is still there i don't think it loses out on that for what it does yeah um, yeah i think got... no go on uh i was gonna say i think it does uh so something else that i'd sort of touched on earlier is how the band you know merge all these different sounds together and something that i notice is that the band are operating on the fringes of both indie and rock so you know you know you get those bands that say oh yeah we're too heavy for the indie kids but we're too indie for the rock kids well kid capici in theory would be operating in that exact space you know the kind of spaces you see like twin atlantic and blood red shoes those kind of bands but because of the draw of of the political side uh of them and just how you know that unique sound that they've managed to to formulate um i feel like people from both sides are involved rather than it being like oh neither are interested it's the opposite it's like both are interested um and to get um you know a fairly socially left platform uh especially i think in amongst the indie kids nowadays is i think that's impressive in its own right um you know so they're that platform they're using is is incredibly important and i think smash the gaff is one of those songs that obviously it plays a bit more to the rock side but it's also going to get the indicate that they're going it's going to get them going um and hopefully it's gonna s- sort of bring two worlds together uh, a little bit more um in terms of people appreciating both heavier and softer stuff they are a real enter shikari of the scene aren't they so to speak yeah you know, they're they're moldable because yes. they they draw on so many different um factors that make them so relatable and and I remember the first Shikari show I I saw was at Download in 2013 and I was staggered by the crowd the crowd felt different to mm. any other crowd you you you, you have just this emergence of loads of kids with uh, those backpack thingies or those like bum bags that they started <laughs> And I was like, "What? What's, what is going on here? Uh, yeah. It's not just full of rockers here." And massive credit to them for bringing in that diverse crowd. And I think that's exactly what you've got here. You're absolutely right. I think they could just—I mean, they're on—they're uh, about to embark on a tour with the Hunter, but you also yeah. wouldn't be surprised to see them jump out on a tour with Shikari in the next sort of breath. You know what yeah, I mean? exactly. Um, or any tour. Yeah, you and the the thing is the um the inclusion of that political side to them as well. You know, I could reasonably see them touring alongside, whether it be supporting or whether it be uh you know playing above. But that I could see them touring alongside Nova Twins. I could see them right. uh, touring. I don't know if they have done a show with Biffy. I know Bob Villain has, uh, but I could see them with Biffy. Uh, I could equally I could see them with the Gorillas. Uh, I could see them there are so many different artists um that they would manage to just 
they wouldn't feel out of place in in so many different spaces and that's impressive not many bands yeah, can do right. that some some great comparisons there i think you could even chuck them in with the likes of sleeps yeah it would be a real real out there support but as an opening yeah. support for example for a band like sleeps and people would be i think people would be really drawn in because you'd have the right people there that would want to hear yes. what have to say not necessarily yeah. because you're expecting a metal band but then when you go to a metal show or a metalcore show or whatever you can you can sometimes get over kind of condensed with all of the you know, yeah. your face. So, <laughs> you know, and they have those punk elements. I, I get it's, uh, we could talk about it all day, but it, it, they have really relatable factors, don't they? And we keep coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Final song on the record, special. That pretty, was pretty special. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, another loop that it threw me through. But um, I think for me, it was a very logical, um, you know, the song felt almost it was somber and to me it, it enveloped those feelings of like societal depression and you know we have of course we have all this anger and we have this frustration in society but what happens when we get burnt out we we feel shit about it to be honest we feel depressed we feel a bit hopeless and i i feel like that song in its tone sort of embodied that it had the whole like yeah once we're done being angry and those changes that we've been talking about for the last 40 50 years you know before my lifetime still haven't happened what what happens then social depression happens and it's just as important to talk about that as the the you know the more frustrated more high energy elements that we're we're seeing you know it, it's great to get out there and protest and get angry and sing along with these words but it's also we we're human beings that have deep sets of emotions and i feel like that last song tapped into that um you know not feeling looked after not feeling heard not feeling important anymore um and it even develops into you know in terms of genre blending i've i for me it was very post-rock at the end there it was you know it it especially the way the song develops through you get these really nice intricate beautiful notes woven into this really sad crushing song like yeah <laughs> i'm absolutely with you I, I think it's probably for you and you can see it just as a listener anyway that uh never really had you was kind of you said it stopped that slightly bit too it's slightly too soon and I think yeah. this doesn't. It's the longest song on the record. Um, yeah. It talks about the way that things don't feel special anymore, the way that we've lost touch with things, that everything's a little bit, it sort of paints this bleak society. And that's kind of what society is. I think I can. you can look into when they wrote this. You know they must have written it in a lockdown. They talk about yeah. shops being closed and the changes that we're seeing in, in society that have just kind of, if you look back to 2019 or start of 2020 now in comparison to where we where we are and where we were, we're in some yeah. world. And it really it really notes that and talks about the things that we might have lost on the way, but not necessarily have noticed because things are moving at such a rapid pace and we're still losing yeah. and figuring out. And it's all of that. Yeah. Um, it's 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 brilliantly bleak. I think and and like you've said it's it's somber but in a way it's a perfect closer and in terms of its composition it sort of cleverly builds doesn't it and there is a bit yeah. more of a crescendo to this that sort of you know really sort of holds its head above the parapet it it feels like an album closer it is an album closer yeah uh I had to take a sit down after it I was just feeling you know like this this record's blown me away you could have given me a million guesses and i wouldn't have said that uh some yeah of, some of what i've heard would come out on this yeah i think <laughs> i think in general for me I'll, I'll, I'll come to you straight after it but i was surprised at the dexterity the diversity um showcased on the record i think it's well paced i think it's lyrically absolutely brilliant it's shamelessly british mm. they're sort of an anti-patriotic um call out uh, if you're worried about them holding any punches on this album as a previous fan, don't worry. Uh, I can tell you that for nothing. Um, it's it's a, a brilliantly insightful way of looking into the current state of affairs uh, in the UK at the moment. Uh, it feels like a modern form of punk. 
it's it's brilliantly mixed it's well produced it merges styles and genres i can't talk highly enough about it i was um blown away um final thoughts uh and to answer this question as well where do they go from here um well i think i mean final thoughts uh would just be effectively i mean it's the album that says what we're all thinking for for the yeah. most part any yeah. anyone that is in the uk that feels the same as these band members you know that that feels dissatisfied that feels angry that feels like we're all of the things they talk about thematically throughout the record you know they address a whole slurry of societal issues and the emotions that that come with that um it it says it all really and it's it's almost like the the album could be a, a companion to accompany you through <laughs> through this uh, dissatisfaction that that we're all kind of feeling and the pressures we're feeling at the moment uh, in terms of where they go from... not to have it right i mean you know yeah because there is that sense of when they bring out some of these really good points you know we talk about it or we might talk about it on social media but there's some as with anything that is musical there's something really unifying about it a, a feeling of i'm not alone this is a yes this is a generally thought of thing or a, or a conscious consideration or has been um and there's 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 unity in that isn't there and we keep we keep throwing those words around about unity and 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 bringing together and relatability in it and it's they, yeah. they nail it so well don't they yeah i mean what do you think then from here i mean i'm talking about sort of i think it's pretty obvious that they'll find the next shit storm or five to talk yeah. about in their next record but i guess <laughs> musically sonically you know i see this doing real bits for them um, yeah, I, I can see it sort of really throwing them into the into the into the stratosphere in terms of their sound and what they can do with it. Um, yeah. What what do you see that next thing being like? Because they could tread that line on that dangerous third album, couldn't they? Where do they tone it down a bit? Do they make it a little bit more accessible? I personally, from hearing this, don't think that's going to happen. I think they can no. cleverly mold all of them. What are your thoughts on where it goes from here? I think they will. Um follow and i know idols are quite a divisive group but i think they will follow us so idols uh third record they started working with kenny beats as their as their producer um and it brought in a lot of the stuff that kid capici are kind of already doing to be fair uh like like I said you know it being very beat driven um and the production sort of ramped up and they were doing new and interesting things what idols did on their first record and i'm not saying it's a copy as in just in terms of the point in their career that they started doing that experimentation with sound kid capici already there so the only thing i can see them doing is really messing around with production and and maybe probably making something more challenging uh not in terms of lyricism because they're already there but in terms of sound i can't see them i can't see them dumbing down their sound i can see them actually making it more um yeah just wider and wider in scope in terms of we've already had a lot of very diverse sounds well there's a, there's a whole world of music that they can play with and they've proved just proven to us that they're very very capable of dipping into other genres and seamlessly blending um different sounds that you wouldn't maybe necessarily expect to hear next to each other on a on a, on a track um so i think you know once they've done their sort of uh the the typical touring schedule that you can expect of bands to do once they put out an album you know they want to get out they want to play it they want people to hear it you got all of that side of it um yeah i think we'll we'll probably hear something that's got a few similar notes but could be quite sonically different um but in a positive way when it comes to them moving forward with with their actual sound i could be wrong who knows <laughs> no i'm with you i i want to see I want to see them go fucking mental on the next one. Uh, yeah. I want to see everything that hit the cutting room floor and and uh, is sort of left there in pieces at the moment. Like, oh, they're not, <laughs> they're not ready for that. We are. Yeah. We're absolutely ready for that now. Yeah. Um, fucking throw <laughs> everything in the kitchen sink at us. I want to see what batshit stuff you can throw at us. Hold all yeah. of that brilliant, clever lyricism. You look at the way that, like we've said about Enter Shikari and the way they've transformed. Yeah. Do that and, and experiment and be, you know, I want to, yeah. you know, they're exciting uh, and not many bands for journalists like us, for people that love music like us, 
it's, yeah. it's it's once in a blue moon that those sorts of bands happen and i feel excited by this and i can't yeah. give it a bigger compliment than that you talked and... about um touring i mean they're they're out on a headline tour in yes. january uh, and they're also I, I mentioned earlier they're out with the hunter uh in october and november so they got that big thinking bex hill show on it's on the album release day i believe yeah Oh, and they're doing, yeah. uh, I think they're doing, are they doing, yeah, they're doing some in-store uh, appearances over the next couple of weeks. And then they've got an album release show next Friday on the 23rd of September, which is also going to be a riot. So, uh, yeah, yeah, they've got plenty of opportunities coming up to see them and see them now before they, yeah. uh, I think, before they elevate and before they hit new levels, I think. Yeah. Um, brilliantly summarized. And thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure, actually, mate. Uh, to be able yeah, to thank you for having me on. It's been uh, a yeah. fun experience. Let's do this again soon. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, very shamelessly did not do the uh, socials at the start, but I'll drop in a little link <gasps> before that, of course. Uh, but we are the Noise <laughs> Podcast. Uh, you can find us at Noise Podcast Network on Instagram. You can find us at Noise Podcast Network on Twitter. You can also find Noise UK on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and wherever you kind of get your media uh in terms of the podcast you can stream it wherever you like uh we're on youtube so you can see our pretty faces or we're on streaming platforms and you can catch us on apple music spotify wherever you stream your podcasts um drop us a like subscribe uh anything means everything um any sharing reviewing um subscribing the whole thing it does us a world of good uh, gives us that extra reach, uh, and it's brilliant. Uh, and we just love engagement. It's always brilliant to put something like this out and then to get something back from it. Uh, and we want to hear what you think as well. If you've heard us ramble on this long about it, and I think from what I'm gathering that we could have done uh, a podcast that's probably twice as long as this, uh, <laughs> with how much we've raved about Kid Capici. But uh, mm. yeah, no, it's uh, please please do anything uh, means. Uh, a lot and if you're excited for what's coming out soon we've got reviews coming out um from chris and sam on slipknot and lamb of god and a whole host of other um exciting things uh planned all the way up until and including the end of the year but for now uh elliot this has been a pleasure and i hope we can do this again very very soon 